All right. Noteless, noteless. Here we go. Would someone like to read verses 1 through 10 of Acts 28? Um, okay. Walker will read that for us. And remember, uh, Paul is on his way to Rome. He's been on his way to Rome for a few chapters since he appealed to Caesar a few chapters ago. Uh, he was being persecuted in Jerusalem for the gospel. And they were mistreating him. The Jews were mistreating him. He appealed to Caesar. He's a Roman citizen. He wants a, an actual trial in Rome. So that's where he's been going for the last few chapters. Last week, Tyler taught Paul was shipwrecked. It was an amazing story. And they've landed on this island called Malta. So let's read verses 1 through 10 there, uh, Walker. Once safely ashore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islander showed us Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out, of, out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. And when the islanders saw the snake came from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing usually happened to him, unusual happened to him, they changed their minds and they said he was a god. There was a state nearby that belonged to the chief official of the island. He, he welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after, and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies. All right. Interesting interaction here with the island people, these barbarians, non-Greek speaking people. Uh, what are some things that jump out to you in this interaction that Paul had with these people? This is a three-month period, by the way. We find out in verse 11. Say that again? Okay, yeah, they called him a god, and why was that? They survived the poisonous viper attack. Yeah. Yeah, um, so they thought he was a god. An interesting thing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, first they thought he was a killer. Yeah, a lot of interesting notes on that. Um, the word is viper in, uh, in the Greek. And when it says that it came out because of uh, the heat and fastened on his hand, we should understand that to mean it bit him. It fastened on his hand with his teeth. Vipers don't coil. They don't wrap around, so it's... Uh, biting with its with its fangs and uh but what's interesting there are some commentators of old who think that perhaps this wasn't uh an actual viper because vipers are known for striking and then going back they don't hang on uh but in this case the viper did and there he was just holding it up wouldn't that be a sight like hey oh, look at this weird thing going on and uh and they thought well he must be a murderer because, uh, you know, the gods, these are barbarians, so they're thinking the gods, the divines that are out there, they tried to kill him with the shipwreck, and then he escaped the gods, and now they sent this snake to try to kill him. So they're just sitting back waiting for him to die, because, you know, divine justice or whatever. And then when he lived, and he's feeling fine, um, they thought he was a god. What a change. You remember back in Acts 14... Uh, the guys, then they came out and they worshipped Paul and Barnabas and they thought they were gods. And then after the Jews came down, then they wanted to kill him. 
<laughs> in this case, they wanted they thought he was a murderer, and they thought he was an evil guy, and then they thought he was a god. It just kind of flipped around from what happened to him earlier. So that's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, quite an ordeal there with the with the snake bite. I thought it was interesting too. It says the natives showed us unusual kindness. Well, yeah. Think of the think of the scene here in verse uh, two, I guess. Um, it had begun to rain and it was cold. Their ship had wrecked, so they're soaking wet. They were in the water and it was raining and it was freezing cold. They had to just be in really rough shape when they showed up at this island. And the native people could have done a number of things, but it, what they did was they built a fire for them. And how welcoming would a fire have been in that situation to get some warmth? And Paul, of course, is contributing. Verse 3, he went out, went out and got a bundle of sticks there. Um, but yes, they showed unusual kindness. The word for Malta, there are a couple different possibilities of what the island was named back then. Is either Malta or I think the other one was Melita. And um, one of the renderings means refuge. Refuge. And so uh, it could be interpreted, when we were brought safely through, verse 1, we learned that the island was aptly named <laughs> Refuge, right? Because it ended up being a refuge for them. I, I also, on the topic of the snake, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, the island Malta, which exists now, it's between Sicily and Africa. Um, you know, Sicily is the ball that Italy is kicking. And so in between Sicily and Africa is this little island called Malta. It's about 10 miles uh, across. And uh, there are no islands, or are no snakes on the island today. Just uh, islands go through changes, you know, especially a little island. All kinds of changes can happen. And today there are no vipers, uh, kind of like in Ireland. There used to be snakes, and now there aren't because of St. Patrick and... I'm wearing green, and Mandy's wearing green, so good for us. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. Here we are teaching on St. Patrick's Day about how the, there are no snakes in Malta, and there are also no snakes in Ireland, so uh, kind of interesting thing. Walker. Do you think it may have been something that, like, the devil sent to, I don't know, the devil sent the Bible to you? Yeah, I, we're, we're not told, so we could speculate. I mean, you could just as easily say it was God doing it to show a sign, right? Uh, so we just don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, on that island, they would have known good and well the color, the pattern, everything, exactly what that snake was. So it was a sign for them, for sure. Yes. Because not one of them died. Right. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> we also, you know, we, verses 7 through 10, we haven't really talked about those yet. What, what do you think about that whole scene? Paul meets this guy, he's the chief man of the island. He entertained them specifically for three days. What jumps out at you there? I'm more interested in that Well, Yeah, his father had a fever, and there was actually a disease called Malta fever. 
so it was likely he had that's what he had and dysentery so really bad gut issues and Paul's visiting him praying for him and healed him I found something extremely notable to be missing in these first 10 verses compared to the types of things we heard through the book of Acts leading up to this point. What's missing in verse? There you go. Where's the gospel? (laughs) Isn't that kind of weird? Uh, It doesn't talk about Paul preaching to them. And even them being healed, it doesn't say because they believed in Jesus' name. Back in chapter 3 and in other places in the book of Acts, we see that people were healed on the basis of faith in Jesus' name. And we don't have that here. Now, that's not to say that's not what was happening. It's just interesting. It's not mentioned. There you go. That's what happened in chapter 14 when they said Zeus and Hermes, and they yeah, they ripped their, their clothes and cried out. And here he's just saying, they're really nice. <laughs> Nice folks, those uh, barbarians. Is it possible they didn't speak the same language? There's potential for that. Yeah, the um, word in verse 2, ESV says native people, but the word literally means non-Greek speakers. So uh, there could have been some kind of language barrier there. They were there for three months, for the whole winter. So you'd think they would have figured something out. Um, But... But yeah, and Luke knew that they thought he was a murderer and then they thought he was a god, so there was some kind of communication going on. Pretty interesting. But yeah, that's that's the Malta scene. Go ahead. Yeah, possibly. That is definitely possible. Plus they were more fire traveling than we by a long shot. Yep. Yeah, the countries or their their cultures that had different languages were much closer together than anything we've experienced, and they had to bounce around for their to make their living. You know, Melissa. And maybe nothing super encouraging spiritually happened there, right? And we know how those things go. (laughs) Uh, And he just didn't feel the need to put that in there uh, by the Holy Spirit's leading. And it is interesting, too, to think of Luke as a physician. All the stuff that's in here about health and healing, uh, the snake bite, the father, or the the father, not father-in-law, but the father, and the many others who came to be healed. Uh, Luke was probably able to diagnose, and Paul was able to heal. They probably worked as a team there. Uh, Luke was able to say, hey, it's got this or that going on uh, through his skills, and Paul, through his gift of healing, was able to heal. A pretty amazing team there. And Luke was probably able to help people recover physically. But yeah, you see their hospitality big time. I mean, the verse... Uh, verse 2 and verse 10. And verse 10, they honored us greatly. And when we were about to leave, they put on board whatever we needed. That is unusual indeed. So, uh, pretty incredible. The Lord was providing. They thought he was a God after the snake. He was really a God after That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we can only assume 
that got straightened out over the next three months, right? That, that was explained. Uh, it's just interesting. We just don't have the conversations documented. So. You know, you could imply that God Yeah, there potentially. Of course, we always have to be careful about how far we carry nuggets of ideas out to the end, you know. But well, I was just thinking yeah, the Old Testament. Yeah, uh, with Israel. Israel was told not to to war with certain countries, not to do certain because they mm -hmm. done something good in the past. Yeah. 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 Um, interesting dynamics there with people and how how God interacts with us uh, in those ways. And, and it's interesting, too, just the fact that Paul calls, calls them kind and hospitable. I mean, these are barbarians who, of course, were totally depraved, like everybody else born into this world, naturally, and in all likelihood uh, were anti-gospel in the way that they lived. Um, yet God, in His common grace, allowed them and led them to be kind and hospitable in this situation. So, uh, very interesting Dynamic people are complicated, uh, but the Lord uses these things for His means or for His purposes. Is healing healing those people was a witness to God since He prayed for you. The Father might have been some indication that this was right. Of God, yes. Just <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, certainly they heard the name of Jesus through all of that. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, he ships out of Malta, and they start heading up toward Rome. If you can think in your head, you've got the uh, Italy, like the boot, and it's kicking the ball, Sicily. They're going up. There's a little strait of water that is in between the toe of Italy and Sicily, and that's where they're going. So let's read verses uh, 11 to 16. Would someone read those six verses for us? Who's got it? Okay, go ahead. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship, which had wintered at the island, and which had the twin brothers for its bigger life. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. From there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium, and a day later, it saw one spring up, and on the second day, we came to Pudioli. There, we found some brethren, and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius and three ends to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. All right, so we get some names of places and whatnot here. Um, back in verse 11, the twin brothers or the twin gods, your translation might say, as the figurehead on the ship. These were the sons of Zeus, according to Greek mythology, and they were the patrons of navigation, I think is the phrase that uh, my commentary used. And they were on the front of many ships during that time, especially wheat ships. That's, that was common to be passing through these ports, wheat ships. And so uh, the twin gods uh, was not an uncommon sight for a ship. And they put in at Syracuse, which was on the east side of Sicily. So pretty close to where the toe of Italy hits that island of Sicily, 
is the, the port of Syracuse, where they were for three days. And then they arrived at Regium. Regium? I don't know how that would be pronounced. But the, these cities are still around today. So they, uh, the names have changed a little bit. Syracuse, that hasn't changed. You can go to Syracuse today if you get the chance to go to Sicily. Take me with you. That would be fun. But uh, the east side of the island, you can go to Syracuse. And then up on the... Uh, uh, like the top of the foot of Italy, I should have had a map up here, is uh, Reggio is what it's called now, R-E-G-G-I-O, I believe, and that's uh, Regium. And um, they came to a town called Putioli, which is now called something else. I wish I had my notes. Uh, Puzzioli, Ravioli, uh, Pizza Pie. Um, and they, they came there. Now that, that place, Putioli, was a big-time port town at that, that time. And I remember this from my notes, at least. It's right outside Naples. So, again, thinking of Italy as the, the boot, Naples is like the lower shin, and Rome is the upper shin. So now we're up on the mainland of Italy. And Naples uh, is pretty close to the coast, but Putioli is right on the coast. It's the port city. So that's where they were. And interesting thing happened in verse 14. They found Christians there. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. So Paul apparently had lots of freedom uh, comparatively to a lot of prisoners at that time. He was able for a week to hang out with other Christians at this stop along the way. You have to imagine that those guys who were on that ship who have been with Paul for months now uh, trusted Paul to a degree because of his character and because of the way he had handled himself. And so there he was with some believers, and you see that sweet sentence at the end of verse 14, and so we came to Rome. They, uh, they made it to Rome. Before they got there, there were some Christians in Rome who came down to where they were outside of Naples, and that's a long ways. Uh, it's a pretty good trek. But apparently they had heard from the brothers in Putioli that Paul was there, and so these uh, Christians from Rome come down, they meet them along the way and then take them back into the, the city of Rome. It's an honored way of entering a city when people come out to greet you and then go back into the city with you. So they showed Paul that type of kindness and hospitality. And uh, there Paul was in Rome, allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. So he's made it. He's there. I want to show you some things about uh, Rome. Let's go back to Acts 18. Because remember, Paul has not been to Rome yet. This is Paul's first time arriving at Rome. But there were already Christians there. In fact, Paul wrote his letter to the Romans three years before this. He had never met them. He wrote them a letter three years before. And we're going to get to uh, the book of Romans here in a moment. But he, he was anticipating getting there soon. He wanted to see them soon. Surely history didn't play out the way Paul thought it was going to play out. Because here they are three years later, and he's a prisoner when he arrives. That's probably not what he had in mind. But um, back in Acts 18, Paul is in Corinth. And look at verse 1 with me. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So Priscilla and Aquila had some ties to Italy. And 
This chapter is the only place that we read about them in all of the book of Acts. All the references to them are right here in Acts 18. And they end up going back uh, to Rome. So turn with me to uh, the book of Romans, just the next book. And we're going to start in chapter 1, but remember the Priscilla and Aquila thing. Keep that in your mind. Well, let's look at uh, chapter 1. Let's look at verse 7. So we have the Priscilla and Aquila connection, and there are other Christians there. It says, Romans 1, verse 7, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Remember, Paul had not met them. There was a Christian community in Rome, a vibrant Christian community in Rome. Their faith was proclaimed in all the world. Uh, pretty amazing. Turn with me to chapter 15 of Rome, uh, Romans. We know Paul, Paul's writing these amazing things in the book of Romans. We all love the book of Romans for a variety of reasons. And we see in chapter 15, verse 14, Paul says, I'm satisfied about you, my brothers. You yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct one another. And he's writing to them in a very personal way, though he's, he's not met them. He knows a lot about them. And he says um, down in verse 22 that he's wanted to come to them, but he's been so often hindered. But now, verse 23, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Not, not as man wills, but as the Lord wills, right? <laughs> that was Paul's goal. And to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Oh, what a pipe dream, Paul. Uh, what, it would have been sweet if that would have played out that way. But it didn't. Um, and so those were his plans. And now let's look in chapter 16. Look at verse 3. Paul tells them, Greet Prisca, or Priscilla, and Aquila, remember them from Acts 18, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Verse 5, greet also the church in their house. So Priscilla and Aquila were there in Italy. They had a church in their home. There was a vibrant Christian community, and Paul longed to see them. And it had been three years since he wrote this. Three years. And you've read Romans. You know how amazing the book of Romans is. And you know how many questions you have when you read the book of Romans? <laughs> and here, Paul's showing up, and of course they're leaving Rome and meeting him on the way. Can you imagine all the things they wanted clarified from the letter that he wrote? You know, they, they didn't have chapters back then, but you can just imagine these believers come down because they hear Paul's coming and they meet him on the way. So that way they can talk all about chapters 9 through 11 on the way back to Rome. <laughs> okay, Paul, explain to me this Potter stuff. Like, uh, and Jacob, I love Esau, I hated. Now, what does that really mean? You know, they wanted to get more information, I'm sure, from that letter Paul wrote. But they also just cherished Paul, I'm sure, because they had that letter. We don't know how many other books of the Bible they had at that time. They didn't have the book of Acts, obviously. <laughs> that book hadn't been written yet. Uh, maybe they had a gospel. They may have had the gospel of Mark. Maybe they had like a copy of the letter to the Thessalonians or something like that. But they had their letter. And they wanted to meet this Paul. And Paul wanted to meet them. And I bet they just had a really sweet time. 
that would have been a, just a great fly-on-the-wall moment to hear what they were talking about. So thoughts, thoughts on that? Thoughts or questions on Paul's relationship with the Romans? Melissa? Did Paul ever go to Spain? Well, he ends up in Rome here, and that's where the story ends. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. There he is. And remember, Jesus told him, you will be my witness in Rome. So he was, he was ready for this moment because Jesus told him specifically he was going to make it here. Yep. So supposedly he sent um, people to Rome before that to like, start the churches in Rome? Well, he wrote the no, the, well, before he wrote the letter, the church was already started and going. So Priscilla and Aquila were probably instrumental there in that. At the end of the book of Romans, we see that Tertius wrote the, wrote the book, wrote the letter. Verse 22 of chapter 16. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Um, I don't think we have information about who took that letter to them. But uh, Tertius wrote it. Someone else delivered it three years ago. I bet they were having a three-year Bible study in the book of Romans. <laughs> okay. And Paul was allowed to stay by himself, we read in, back in Acts 28, verse 16. He was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. More opportunity for evangelism, right? I bet that soldier heard the gospel not a few times. All right, well, let's take the next chunk, 17 to 22. Who would read that for us? 17 to 22, who's got it? Wouldn't you make it really easy if you were, like, chained to somebody? <laughs> <laughs> if you knew you were, like, going to die? It's like, God, we're good. We're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, I know, right? The flesh finds a way, though, still. Yeah. Yeah. But. We don't. We know that Jesus didn't give him a promise beyond Rome. <laughs> and he knew that. But, yeah. Okay, 17 to 22. Who can read it for us? Okay, thanks. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I called for you to see you and speak with you because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect we know that it is spoken against everywhere. All right. So what's interesting about the freedom he had, according to verse 17, is that he was able to call people to come visit him, which is interesting. 
he was given lots of space for meetings and evangelism. Apparently, the gospel wasn't viewed as propaganda by the, the Romans. I mean, they, they knew what he was doing. Uh, it wasn't illegal for him to be doing what he was doing. He was given freedom uh, to do this. And Luke really emphasizes this point as the book finishes, that he had the liberty to invite people to come meet with him and proclaim the gospel to them. And he's basically calling the Jews together. He can't go to the synagogue, <laughs> so he brings the synagogue to himself. And uh, he lets them know what's going on. And I love what he says in verse 20. He says, For this reason I've asked to see you and speak to you, because of the hope of Israel I'm wearing this chain. The fulfillment of the old covenant, the fulfillment of the law that I'm here. So from, from the beginning, he's letting them know what his views are about Jesus. I was just saying, I have that verse. Yeah, the hope of Israel. Very good. So um, their response is interesting. <laughs> we don't know much about you. Uh, no one said anything about you, but hey, well, we'll, we'll talk to you. <laughs> that sounds fine. Um, kind of an interesting response. And they, they refer to Christianity as a uh, sect. Um, they didn't know about Paul, but they knew about Christianity. Christianity has gotten bigger than Paul. You know, for a long time in the book of Acts, it's almost like Paul was the one who represented Christianity. And here, as we're really getting to the ends of the earth, you know, as the gospel's going out, we're seeing that the Christianity, the faith, the gospel itself, is growing and reaching more people than one man Paul ever could. So that's pretty cool, that it has a reputation outside of Paul at this point. So, any other thoughts from that section? That's day one of his conversation with the Jews. And now the next section is the second day when they have their big hearing. And Paul gets to offend everybody. Right. Yes. His priorities were in order, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He wanted he wanted that meeting. Read, and I don't remember where exactly, but uh, that people were speculating that the church in Rome had heard a lot of Roman soldiers who returned, who had served in Israel and returned home and was in Israel at the time of the crucifixion mm. and all that was going on. And so they say that a lot of the, the message was carried back. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. And I don't remember if I had any proof or not, but it was just, just an interesting idea that Rome would have had that contact. Mm -hmm. To eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a logical possibility. Pretty exciting. Which, you know, like all the places that Paul had been, wouldn't, probably wouldn't have had that much mm -hmm. report right. of what happened. Yes, Rome was a very important city for all those governmental reasons, but yeah, the, the Christian community, the community there was vibrant. Um, it's quite possible they had those connections. Do you have a thought, Melissa? Yeah, I just finished reading Romans yesterday and today, so like the end when he's expressing his heart about the Jews is just really fresh in my mind. Um, and like in Romans 11, when he says, uh, if 
their transgressions, the Jews, is riches for the world, and their failure is riches for the Gentiles. How much more will their fulfillment be? And then it says, um, I magnify my as I am apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to Joseph, be my fellow countrymen, and save some of them. And so that was just fresh in my mind. That his heart and his thoughts, and now he's with his fellow countrymen in Rome yeah yes and we're going to see more of that theme in this next section where uh yeah he he talks about how blind israel is and how the gentiles have believed um <laughs> yeah interesting dynamic going on let's look at this verses 23 to let's do 23 to the end might as well who would read these last verses of the book of Acts? Walker, go for it, man. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Come on, you goober. 23 to the end. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came into even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. Saying, from morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the academy. The kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus through the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and became and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said, Through Isaiah the prophet. Go to this Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. Calloused. <laughs> they, hardly near, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their, uh, with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I can heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him, boldly and without hindering. And he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, well, um, interesting. Uh, the, the second meeting they had was a morning till evening type of meeting, and they came in greater numbers. So they were packing out the place where Paul was being kept. And he was preaching the gospel from the Old Testament, talking about the law of Moses, talking about the prophets, and how Jesus is the fulfillment of these things. And uh, he caps it off. He ends it with this statement about, you all are just blind and deaf. Isaiah was talking about you. You hear but never understand. You see but never perceive. Your heart is dull. Your ears can barely hear. Your eyes, they're closed. And uh, all this is because uh, if you would see with your eyes and hear with your ears and understand with your heart and turn, God would heal you. So he says in verse 28, and this is, think about being a Jew here. He says in verse 28, Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Ooh. Ooh. Paul just... Sticking his finger right between their ribs there with that one. Um, but he's, he's just saying the truth, isn't he? That um, the Gentiles are the ones, and this is the way Luke has written the book of Acts. 
Paul goes to the Jews, the Jew first, right? He was always going to the synagogue first. Here he is in Rome calling the Jews to him, and the Jews reject. And so he goes to the Gentiles, and God does a work among the Gentiles. We see this over and over in the book of Acts, starting in chapter 10. Um, this was Paul's ministry, was to reach the Gentiles. And so he makes it known to them, and it says, uh, it, it's kind of written in a different way. So it says in verse 25 what they did after he made this statement that they were disagreeing among themselves and departed after he made that statement he said that and they were done that was it they were offended time to leave some were convinced verse 24 but others disbelieved and he was there a whole two years it says as at his own expense we don't really know what that means he was in chains he was often bound if not always bound to a guard I can't imagine he was tent-making in that condition. We don't really know what it means that he did, did this at his own expense. Um, but he welcomed all who came to him, and he was able to preach with boldness and without hindrance, the last verse says. Uh, Luke really making that point clear, that Paul had the freedom to do that. So that's it. That's the end of the book. That's where we end. That's where we leave off. But there are a couple other things to... To bring in from the rest of the New Testament on this, do you know what two books Paul wrote very close together during the first probably few months that he was in Rome? Nope, not Philippians. Two late books of Paul written from Rome when he was under this type of arrest. And they're, they're always, almost always coupled together in commentaries. No, nope. those are later. Second Timothy is the last one. Colossians and Philemon. Colossians and Philemon. So turn with me to Colossians 4. This is pretty interesting. You can see what Paul was going through and with a little more detail at this time. Colossians chapter 4. Because Paul wasn't alone. You can kind of read that in a, a certain way, what we just read in Acts 28, and come out thinking, you know, there Paul was just by himself, chained up, and sometimes people would come visit him, and that was it. But it was actually, there was a community there, a Christian community he was a part of, even though he was under arrest and in chains. So let's look at this. Um, starting at verse 7. I'll just start reading through this. I might read all the way to the end. It says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Verse 8, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus. Now, who's that? Who's Onesimus? Yeah. Philemon's slave, right? Um, with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, remember him from Acts 15, uh, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Yeah. And Jesus, verse 11, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. And this is from Rome. Epaphras, verse 12 who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for 
those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, Laodicea, Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, quote, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. End quote. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. <laughs> Pretty interesting letter when you consider the context, right? That's almost the whole chapter taken up to talk about the people who were with him and the people he was sending. Demas was mentioned in there. You remember about Demas? Who's that guy? What happens with Demas? Surely you've got a footnote or a cross-reference there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, let's see. 14Z. 2 Timothy 4.10. Demas uh, turned his back on Paul. He departed Paul. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, Demas uh, turned out to be a uh, not-so-great guy. And I'll just read to you from the end of Philemon. So the, these two letters were written really close together. He doesn't spend nearly as much time in this one chapter letter talking about all that. But he says, and you can look at Colossians 4 and see some similarities. He writes, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Uh, ends it with the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. So same people were involved as Paul is there in Rome under arrest, but with lots of freedom. So interesting, interesting thing going on. 